It's time for Talking Pictures Trivia. A quick friendly reminder, laser discs are actually analog and more similar to vinyl records than a CD. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. And KJ. Additionally, joining us as a guest this week is... Doug. Thanks for joining us today. You may remember Doug from prior episodes such as Solaris, The Fugitive, Get Out, and Ghostbusters. Hey, Doug, do you still conveniently like movies? Why, yes, I conveniently do. All right. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz, as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, and in round two, each question is worth two points. Then, once the fierce competition is over, we followed up with our famous movie rant, Where Anything Goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Today, we are going back to 1999, when the Wachowskis released their second film, The Matrix which was released in theaters alongside Analyze This, Cruel Intentions, 10 Things I Hate About You, and David Cronenberg's Existence, with a few letters capitalized in odd places in the title to ensure that you know it's the 90s. Nick will be quizzing us today. Nick, what is today's movie all about? In my opinion, The Matrix was and remains a big deal. This film ushered in a new wave in modern cinema, specifically regarding the expectation of special effects in movies. The world is not what it seems, and Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, somehow knows it. Through some clever references to Alice in Wonderland, Neo will learn the truth of his suspicions and discover he may have a larger part to play in history than he could have ever imagined. Is Neo the one? Let's find out in one solid movie, and then, if you have the stomach for it, have the realization confirmed in the subsequent films. Tom, if you only had one word to describe The Matrix, what would it be? Binary. KJ? Sensory. Doug? Fate. And my word would be, whoa. It's time for question one. What is the question? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in? Tom goes first. What is the matrix? KJ? Unfortunately, Tom, no one can be taught. Uh, when are we? Doug? What is the matrix? Doug and Tom are getting the points. There was a very big part in this film where they're like, you know the question. And he goes, what is the matrix? Huh. Because there's another scene where uh, Neo w- wakes up and says, where are we? And uh, Morpheus says, it's not where we are, it's when we are, something. So I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> what is the matrix? That did happen, but they literally <laughs> said yep. also, the question. what is the question? <laughs> <laughs> what is the matrix is the question and why we're watching this film. But really, I wanted to uh, pivot this into talking about Neo and the Nebuchadnezzar crew, including Morpheus, Trinity, and others. Real quick before we get into that. So- one of the other things um, about when this movie came out back in 99, it was one of the first movies I remember that had a website. I mean, movies may have had it before <laughs> oh. this, but it was kind of early on the internet. And the website was www.whatisthematrix.com. 
So mm-hmm. I just, it's uh what is the question? <laughs> no, it was that's pretty pivotal. It was their key marketing. <laughs> it wasn't Yeah, it was also in, in the, the question is when. <laughs> yeah. It was also in the previews, and that was what was uh, attractive mm, about the previews. Oh, yeah. yeah. You want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the crew is is fine. I mean it's a it's a standard kind of uh, crew dynamic, right? Where you have like the the little guy and the the big kind of friendly guy and the leader and then the hero. Um, I, I found it interesting why it was called the Nebuchadnezzar, which I, I really couldn't scratch. I have a reading of why it's called the Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, that was the Nebuchadnezzar the second was the the king responsible for the Babylonian captivity. Um, I, when I first watched it, though, I was like, why is this ship called this? But I, I think. But what's the actual reason, Tom? I, I know who he is. I know it's a reference to someone. Yeah. Do you have this? I, I have a reason that's fairly B-side lengthened. <laughs> <laughs> Give us like the, the, the um, quick snapshot. Too long didn't read. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think it's something along the lines of the various religious allegories that are going on in this movie are, are the or what are offered as an escape from the matrix that in fact it isn't necessarily the red pill that does it that it's it's some sort of um belief or belief in faith and i think the religious allegories sort of indicate that um why the nebuchadnezzar (laughs) you know like destroyed solomon's temple and imprisoned the jews i i I have no idea but um i just cheated and and looked it up on the internet (laughs) so so from again random sources on the internet uh it's saying that it represents the machine's arrogance in claiming godliness similar to the ancient king Ah. As well as uh, the fact that they were rebels, uh, our warriors were attempting to liberate their people. So mm-hmm. that's what the interwebs say. Right. So I guess they named. But their... in line, what you said. I yeah, mean, it's, in line. it's it's a little bit. I mean, it's um. So they named their ship after the imprisoner. You know, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a little odd. But yeah, sure. That, I mean, that makes sense. Well, yeah. technically, they inherited that ship, but we'll go into that later because mm-hmm. it may be relevant to further questions maybe it would have made more sense if that was their nickname for like one of the machine ships but to name their own ship that really doesn't make sense other than to to stick in a cool name with a obscure reference (laughs) into the movie i think they just the the writers just thought it looked cool or sounded cool (laughs) i guess i guess they called it called it the babylonian that would have been you know or john the baptist Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that is Morpheus's real first name John? John. Is that how it is? Because mm-hmm. he's the guy with the faith, right? He is constantly. That's what he's talking about is the faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. I, I mean, there, there's a whole faith structure here, right? There's there's these believers. Um, they live in in captivity. They have their own kind of Babylonian captivity. There's some people who are believers and some people aren't. Um, which has kind of a, a relevance there because, you know, you could be culturally Jewish or, or religiously so, or both. Um, so yeah, the, the, the kind of faith structure and how faith works is obviously present in this film, probably more in this film than, than the latter two, except for the third one where it just kind of, it's a little steroid jump and, and goes out of control. Um, but I do think the, 
the faith is necessary for this movie to make sense. And the kind of problems I have with it are somewhat corrected or fixed if you think of faith as a way out of the matrix as opposed to, you know, whatever, a, a pill or a, 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 a collection of well-meaning rebels. Well, because that's what Morpheus wants, right? He wants to end the matrix and free everybody. And it's his faith that he's using it to, to, to do that. Now, so Neo, right? Thomas Anderson, is he doubting Thomas? Are we going that far as to, I, he didn't really. Does he ever doubt? Him. I mean, well, after Thomas, the, after Thomas, the Oracle stretch, talks yeah. to him, he doubts. Thomas but... is also the twin. Okay. In the, Thomas is the twin of, of the, he's so-called because he supposedly looks like Christ so very much. Oh, there you go. Um, Keanu Reeves, yeah. definitely. If, if I had to pick what, well, we shouldn't get into that. On the, um, <laughs> so who else on the, on the crew here? We got um, Cypher. How's he? His faith is a little different, right? He, I guess, he's, if, he's our Judas, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I know this is getting dangerous. I'm going to cut this, but in my head, I, I grew up on Jesus Christ Superstar. So I'm like, Judas, it wasn't Judas's fault. Like, I never understood why Judas was this <laughs> bad guy. Um, all right. So, but Cypher, <laughs> have you ever read anything in the Bible? <laughs> I took Bible studies in college, but we didn't, I guess, get into it. God told him to do it anyway. All right. So um, what part is actually the well, that's that's the that's <laughs> there is a gospel of Judas that posits that. Yeah. Well, I know well, yeah. that's what I'm 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 nervous about getting too religious. So maybe we'll keep it. Maybe so we'll no, cut it. Yeah. But I, the, I mean, the we movie, got Alice in Wonderland. We got a million things. Yeah, we have yeah, well, Baudrillard. Let, let's, but the movie is religious. So so keep going through other people's faith. So Cypher, I guess if he was faithful, he got out of the Matrix. But now is he he's he's the one that absolutely does not believe that neo is the one i don't think he's faithful i think he feels he got swindled and duped out of the matrix he didn't believe the test was fair mm -hmm. which i actually would be curious what you guys think it's kind of vague and once you're out you're out and you got a crosshair on you for the rest of your life as you go around in your hovercraft through the sewers yeah, and I guess that's what's interesting about Cypher is he doesn't reject, he might reject the idea of the one, but he 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 doesn't see the matrix as kind of truth or whatever. He's just willing, um, he's willing to turn his back on on salvation. The rest of the crew has faith in Morpheus, even if their faith might not be with Neo. Their their relationship with their captain is a little different than other sci-fi relationships with their with a um a captain and a yeah Morpheus is a prophet he speaks as a prophet mm -hmm. um, but who doesn't think Neo's the one they all sort of do that right well so Trinity questions it but in the mm -hmm. end her faith is the reason like that's that's the answer to the movie right that's the that's what solves mm -hmm. this all so mm -hmm. I'd, I'd say Trinity also isn't quite sure. Mm -hmm. cypher also is jealous at one point too in mm -hmm. a weird way because i think he has a thing for trinity and all of a sudden this new hotshot comes in and everyone's praising him meanwhile he's been dealing with this lifestyle for quite some time uh i got the impression that trinity was with cypher before she got the the uh prediction from the oracle that she would uh fall in love with the one and then i think after when that happens but this is, I don't know how much of this is true, but um, I got the impression that, you know, she dumped him uh, 
for Neo, essentially. See, I got more of a unrequited love situation because when she was lying there plugged into the matrix and he was unplugging people, he was looking over her like wantingly and saying things that made it sound like she was unattainable and what was right around her and she missed it. So I don't think that was ever a relationship. I think it's something he wanted. Yeah. Okay. I said, I, I got that too. Um, it also comes off as a little, little forced, you know, I think, uh, I, I think wanting to get back into the matrix is, is really interesting because he's the only character we meet who wants to go back in or who wants to take the blue pill. Um, there is something uh, absolutely compelling, I think, for especially for young people watching this and maybe for anybody to, to take the red pill and to, you know, to see what is really there. It's time for question two. What is the Matrix? Locked in. <laughs> KJ, did you watch this movie? Yeah. Okay, just take no, no, just the lack of confidence. You've watched every material matrix adjacent or related. <laughs> uh, locked, locked in. I don't remember the exact words yeah. used. That's the, the issue. But I'm, I'm going to say, I am, I'm trying to say locked in. Yeah. <laughs> now, if everyone's not confident in their locked in, I will give one clue. Okay. Everyone has to agree. Yeah, let's 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 hear a I'll hear a clue. Yeah, sure. I could use a clue. That was a very low sure by Doug, but I'll take it. The answer is one word. I'm gonna lock in. I think I actually locked this in. Tom is now the first locked in in the revised lock in schedule. Because there's two possible answers I could think of. One resonates better as a single word. I probably have them both wrong though. So you know. <laughs> Probably not. I guess locked in. I, I, I was in better shape before the clue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess I'm locked in. <laughs> okay. You got to think in this terms of the movie and what would Morpheus answer to such a question? Tom. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Doug is first. Doug is first. All right. I'm not sure about the one word thing, but uh, I would say the world the world around you or the world that you're led to believe kj so originally i thought it was unfortunately no one can be told what the matrix that's more james l jones but you have to experience it for yourself you, you can't be told what the matrix is but if i had to pick one word i guess simulation it's a good word that's a good word yeah Tom? that's what that's what it is yeah um I, i'm gonna say everything unfortunately there will be no points uh -huh. awarded was it this everywhere is, both of these are legitimate like direct from the film control oh the matrix okay. is control that's the whole mm -hmm. theory the whole philosophy okay. over what that system entails for humanity mm -hmm. and the reason i brought this one up is i wanted to talk about this film's depiction and portrayal of the matrix and also technology in general because it's an interesting time capsule of where technology was in the world when this movie came out and what we thought futuristic technology would be, but also integrated into, dare I say, outdated technology. So it's an interesting vibe. There's an interesting irony in this. So if you you kind of look at the sources of the matrix, do you, did everybody read about, um, I don't know if anybody knows what was required reading for the actors. 
um, was uh, was uh, Jean Baudrillard's um, uh, simula simulation and simulacrum, simulacrum and simulation, um, which sort of uh, posits a number of things. But um, one thing he talks about with in a chapter in that book on science fiction is that in like older utopian tales, um, so you think Thomas More or Margaret Cavendish, there's like this fantasy world and there's the the regular world. And they're they're like impossibly divided, and what science fiction does, and he has this this chapter simulation in science fiction, is that science fiction allows us to imagine this future world as an extension or an outgrowth of that which already exists, and so the the kind of technocratic system that that Baudrillard would propose we're all kind of living in, um, science fiction sort of uh, embraces that, critiques that or whatnot. Um, but it it is, it's this idea that um, that the kind of hyper-reality that, you know, technology makes, um, you know, science fiction kind of celebrates that and it sort of perpetuates that. It makes us not aware of, of the real, right? It helps with that. Um, and what's interesting is the Matrix attempts to make kind of critiques of, of the world we live in, right? It, you know, we live in a hyper reality. We live in a matrix. We don't live in the real. But in order to do that, they have to do the best science fiction technology stuff ever. So the movie, in a sense, replicates and creates the thing it's trying to trying to critique or destroy. Um, so it's it's it kind of the, the science fiction element of it ends up, I think, being highly ironic. I don't know, Tom. Um but to go back to, to kind of what Nick was saying, the, the technology in the movie, um, I think their get out of jail free card was they uh, they say the machine said the height of our civilization was 1999. And that's why mm -hmm. the, the technology is where it is, right? In the Matrix, certainly that makes sense because they're saying it's 1999. They're, they're limiting it to that. And then mm -hmm. outside the Matrix, you kind of have this, um, the Rebels and Star Wars feel where they're doing the best they can so the technology is what it is. They can only build so much because they don't have very many resources. So maybe they're scrapping more. Um, so I thought it kind of worked. Uh, what did you think, Nick? Did, what, what was your, did you see any discrepancies or? Well, it's funny you should ask that. I'm actually curious. I know you said you watched this with your daughters. I'm curious what their lens would be through this movie because the technology that we grew up with most younger people did not think about how they're traveling in and out of the matrix. They're using phone booths, okay, pay phones, any kind of phone wires. This is modem technology in which they're transferring inside and outside of this of this matrix. It's it's quite fascinating when you actually think about how this uh, system works and would people really understand that today? I know they're the reason we're doing all this is there is a reboot of Matrix Four, and I'm really curious how they're going to update it to this time frame if they're trying to do the same type of technology. Well, I, I think because they said it's 1999, right? If we watch a movie and there's buggy whips, we're not like, oh my God, what is that? What are they using that buggy whip? How does the buggy whip work, right? It's it, it's not too hard to figure out why there was a phone booth, or how a phone works. I, I, I think we like to think, oh my gosh, these kids are not going to figure out. They're going to look at that save uh, icon and be like, oh, why is it that? And it's going to be this marvel of a thing. But I... I think they can they can connect the dots. Yeah, they got it. Yeah, they got they it. Got yeah, it. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just funny to me. I just I'm curious if 
a different audience would view it in a different way, just because that's not the world that they grew up in, whereas we did. I do. I think it's because it's not so far away. Just like you said, horse and buggy, we take that for granted. But I guess for us, it's not that far away because we lived through it. But I am curious if a new audience would look at that and just accept it. I guess there could be nuances, right? Like if if somebody was on, uh, if somebody, if they were using phones and there was a busy signal, right? That would have to be explained because that's kind of a tougher thing to understand. But I don't, I think the Matrix stayed pretty, you know, they didn't get into the nuances of 1999. Yeah, I think I'm talking more about modem technology. I think that's really what <laughs> yeah, it came it, down to. It isn't, it isn't, it's oddly, it's not like a, a tech display, right? You don't get the, the explanation that you would in maybe a Star Trek about how this or that piece of technology works. The, the, the technology is sort of total, right? It's just, it's everywhere and they need to use phone booths because that creates kind of dramatic- Landlines too. They have cell yeah. phones, but you can't use the cell, you need that landline. Yeah, and, and that helps, right? That helps motivate a lot of the action sequences. And so I think the I think the movie is more about kind of the idea of tech than any particular technology, and that's why it seems, even when watching it now, pretty time you know pretty timeless. It does not feel as if you know we're 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 losing something because we don't have smartphones in it. Um, you know they're they're kind of living in a smartphone after all. Maybe that should have been the marketing. Was there a website on that? Live, the, live no? in your smartphone. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we kind of do. I mean, the the, the I'm gonna rant. Um, I was gonna Sounds say like, like a B side to me. Yeah. Well, but it is. I mean, if you think of it as as the tech as prophecy, you know, the Matrix is kind of being somewhat you know, prophetic. This is this is not a great, you know, brilliant remark on my part. Um, but the the. The smartphones do form the the contemporary matrix or the real matrix, you know, and it it is um, it's interesting that while the matrix does posit a real and an unreal, and that there are at least some people who know it's real and unreal, the smartphone does not does not make such clear distinctions. It's actually more more cruel. Yeah, I will say with this new movie coming on Matrix Four. Forget the plot line. I'm actually just curious how they're going to deal with technology. That I don't know why. I'm just like really obsessed with seeing how their depiction is, how they're getting in and out of the Matrix. I just I'm curious if they are updating it with this reboot. Literally, I think it's a Matrix reboot. So we'll we'll see. You know, we are going to be covering that in one of our future upcoming episodes. Are they just redoing the first one? No, no, it's it's a fourth. No, movie. the Matrix reboot. Oh, okay. Oh, is it the? Oh, okay. Oh, that's the, not the, the machine. name of it. It's Re Resurrections. Yes. Is the, mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the two main characters died. <laughs> <laughs> so. And strangely, some of the characters who lived uh, are not reappearing. So mm. I hope it's not like a yeah. lost style. <laughs> Time thing. will tell. Yeah. Oh, and Tom, going back to your uh, simulation sacrilation i don't remember the second word so, sure. yeah. um simulacrum, simulacrum yeah. yeah um so i i did not you you had sent out hey you know here's what they read and you had sent a few articles i have not but i have listened to your excellent b-side on it so i recommend everybody go check out the uh 
the Tom B side of. So now I have nice to make plug. it. <laughs> no, no, you, you did it for um ah, was it Back oh, to the Future I did. Two? Yeah. So yeah, Back to the Future Two. Yeah, I'm, I'll make another one. I ha- oh, I have the what's it called? Anyway, let's <laughs> at the end of round one, we have Tom and Doug tied at one point each. I'm sure there's going to be more points being delivered in round two, right after these messages from our valued sponsor. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of the podcast in which a group of B-Side. KJ here from Talking Pictures Trivia, and I'd like to tell you about Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side. Can't get enough of Talking Pictures Trivia? Head on over to our website, YouTube channel, or where you normally listen to Talking Pictures Trivia to find the B-Side, where we talk about the movies you love. Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side goes further into the movies we talk about on this podcast and compares them to other media that has been on our mind. Here's a quick sample. In this B-side, I'm going to argue that Back to the Future Part 2 is about the construction of father figures and the making of that which was never there. What I'm going to do is start by talking about Baudrillard and his philosophy, go through his most famous book, Simulacra and Simulation, and then talk about that in relation to hyperreality and various Baudrillard concepts, and then we're going to connect that to Back to the Future Part 2 and a little bit of Back to the Future Part 1. The argument from Simulacra and Simulation is that our current media-saturated society has replaced the real, or replaced reality, with symbols and signs, and our experience of reality is a simulation of reality, not the thing itself. Flip this record over by heading to TalkingPicturesTrivia.com, our YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts to hear more on the B-side. And we're back. Doug, we're at the pivotal point of our episode where we asked the guests a key question. If you could watch The Matrix with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? And please don't say the director or one of the main actors. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I... I Joking, would, whatever you want. I would say, you know, the if this was real, I would I'd probably have to say Keanu Reeves just because I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> I knew it. I knew but it. <laughs> as a as a strange alternate, I would, which would be I don't know, probably mean, but <laughs> as a as an alternate, I would say Will Smith, who uh, famously passed on making <laughs> The Matrix in favor nice. in favor of making Wild Wild West. So, oh. <laughs> choice, I still think he's done okay he's, overall. Yeah, he's done pretty well, so. so I don't think he's kicking himself that much. <laughs> I want to know what the song would sound like that he'd write. Yeah, yeah I, was, <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The Matrix doesn't have a lovely beat he can do. With uh, was it Drew Hill? Right. It was... <laughs> It'd be a whole different movie. We may not yeah. be talking about it. <laughs> Doug, going back to your first question, would you want 1999 Keanu Reeves or current day Keanu Reeves? Or um, I think it would have to be current day current Keanu day. Reeves. I think 1999 Keanu Reeves probably wouldn't have uh, understood as much about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's changed that much? Or just... 
the movies he's gotten. Well, I mean, you know, 20 years, you've, Hmm. you know, you've, you've grown in, you know, gotten older, (laughs) done some other stuff, reacted with fans and all that. I think I'd like to watch it with Bill and Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Or just Bill and Ted. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Keanu Reeves is one of those actors who's like, he seems like in the last few years, in the last maybe five, six years, he's redeemed himself, but we don't know from what. <laughs> he's pretty popular in John Wick, right? A lot of people like Yeah, the... it was John Wick, but he's also become like like this kind of beloved person. More, you know, people apparently he is a very nice man and very easy to work with. And in the last few years, apparently, like people have discovered this and uh, are, are quite ready to celebrate him. And, and that's what I mean. I think 20 years ago, he was probably similar to how he is now he just the roles he had made him look you know a little less intelligent but i think he enjoyed it i think part of being the apparent genuinely nice guy was he would do those roles and he didn't mind that everybody was mocking him for saying whoa you know these kind of things (laughs) yeah that was my work (laughs) he's also had like a bit of a tragic life if you look at his life yeah 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 you know he had the few rough experiences um none of which i think were his fault it's time for question three when is the first mention of humans being batteries for the machines locked in i'll say locked in but i have a i guess a side note to mention when i give my answer i i i have a idea but i think it's wrong um those are my favorite answers yeah um okay locked in and i guess i'm going first huh? let's hear it uh, i think this is why kj just gets that quick locked in in there <laughs> yeah i i'm gonna say um we're not time stamping right no nope. no okay um i'm i'm gonna go on a risk because i i there's one i know and i'm not gonna say that because i think it's i think the the reason for this question is is this this kind of trick uh i'm gonna say um when trinity meets neo for the first time in that uh 90s rock nightclub doug so the the explicit mention is when morpheus tells him when they're in the simulation and then there's all the uh you know kind of like flashing around with you know showing the the bodies and stuff but the indirect mention that came before that, the, the earliest that I can remember is when they're in the in the car when they're getting uh, on their way to get Neo out. Uh, Switch calls him Copper Top. And KJ. Wow, Doug, that's uh, that's quite an insult, Copper Top. Um, <laughs> I I also went just when Morpheus was they had that kind of cool CRT TV and they were explaining the thing. Um, so kind of early on in that was when they first mentioned the humans' batteries. The two points go to Doug. He's absolutely right. When they're in the car and he's been bugged, okay? Switch says, listen to me, Copper Top. We don't have time for 20 questions. So mm-hmm. Doug gets the points. Let's talk about the machines, the different programs inside the Matrix, outside the Matrix the portrayal of the machines and their role in this futuristic society. So the Sentinels looked really good for 1999, huh? 
right? This is early, early CG. I thought the Sentinel. Mm-hmm. All of it looked good for 1999. Right? Some of it yeah. looks better than movies I've seen now, yeah. which actually blows my mind. Um, the bug was real cool. I, you know, it's in his body. It's out of his body. It ties back to the scene where he's interrogated. Um, I thought the machines were great. I, I loved, I loved um, Hugo Weaving's speech about us being a virus and like, yeah, I, the machines were great. Classic. Though it doesn't quite make sense that they'd make us into batteries. I'm pretty sure I read the original script is they were using us as the computer to power the matrix, which mm-hmm. also doesn't make that much sense. Sort of circular, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Um, and right, the batteries, like, why not cows? Wouldn't that have been easier? Or it, Yeah, it, cow matrix. Like yeah. Cow ma- I, 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 <laughs> the matrix. Mufius. <laughs> 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 you're the utter uh, one <laughs> uh yeah i i, I think um, i also heard it was a neural network that that was literally they were, they, they, that's Wait, why they like like no 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 that, in the original in the original script they were trying to make a neural network and people didn't know what that was so they turned it into, ah got it into- i still think i'll give them like some it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's the yeah. I mean, like I, I maybe don't, they know a way to do it better than we do. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it's not the point. The point is they, you know, they're they could be doing it for revenge if you if you want that, you know. As the idea is that it's they have a good reason to do it. Um yeah, the the machines are fun. We actually don't spend that much time with them either. I think that's part of it too, is that we we spend most of the time. Um, the, the technology that impresses us is the sort of the slow motion and the movements of the characters in, in the film. Um, it's not the, um, you know, it, it's not, it's again, like, I think episode two of Star Wars is the best comparison because they're so very different. And uh, Star Wars episode two is just loaded with, with graphics. It's just kind of covering you with it. And this is much more interested in, developing a particular aesthetic no i was gonna say a, a a green and black tinted aesthetic well the the color palette is has much to be desired but i mean the aesthetic in terms of the movement right the the way these characters move the kind of the the, the advertisement that i remember seeing very distinctly in my my living room there in waldwick new jersey is um uh keanu reeves's character bending backwards as the camera goes around him um bullet time yeah, the time was like the big deal with this film. I know yeah. that's not necessarily machine based, but he's moving like the machines do. And then that seemed to happen via just a collection of, of fast shutter cameras. You know, I, I don't even think I think the jacket was CGI, but I don't think anything else was there, was it? Um, and so that it seemed to be more clever. It almost seems as if uh, the inheritor of this is Ex Machina from our earlier episode which use special effects in a very slight and subtle way. And though I would not call this movie slight or subtle. Um, <laughs> subtle, yeah. Yeah, it, I think its use of CGI actually was. I, I agree, Tom. Why do you keep comparing it to episode two from three years after this film? Uh, because you the the way not to use oh, special okay. effects. Oh, okay, got it, is, got it. You know, yeah, is, he yeah. just threw everything up there just to do it. And then yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah, perfect example. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What I was also bringing up with the machines, though, there's physical machines and then there's programs, which are all part of this machine based society, such as Agent Smith and other things that I can't talk about because they're in the later films. But mm. yeah, like there are. Well, and the Oracle, right? The Oracle was wonderful. Yeah. Well, she's a program. You, you can't talk about yeah. them? These movies came well, out 20 I, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was trying to stay within the universe of this film. We don't mm-hmm. know about the Oracle until later. No? She's in this yeah. one. She's a major. She's in the movie. Yeah. yeah. No, software. we don't know that yeah. she is a machine. Mm. Oh. I, hmm. That's what I mean. When I say machine, I'm blanketing machine society. But that's what's interesting. There's physical machines and then there's programs, which mm. are I would label as machine software in this mm-hmm. universe. That's the one though, Cage. I wasn't the Oracle we find out later is. I, I guess it is confirmed in the later movies. So back in 1999, I, everybody's minds was blown by the Matrix and it was really good. But all I kept thinking is, isn't this just a, a, a sequel to the Terminator movie where John Connor fails? Like, I didn't understand why it was such a big well, deal. I, I well, and the, well, the Terminator was a big deal too, but it's also the Terminators are looking to exterminate everyone. The, the, pernition of the matrix the, the, not the pernition excuse me the the abuse that the matrix machine is or whatever that would you ever call the whoever runs that thing is that they are looking to enslave right and there's something particularly gruesome about slavery over death um you know one just wants to to kill you one wants to uh, control you um, and I think that's the matrix probably, is control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's that's probably what was so appealing to people, especially young people about this. It's, you feel society's controlling you. And that if you know, you really, you really know what's going on. You could look. Yeah. Just young out. people. Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. People of all ages. Um, so I think there's something there's something that speaks to our own our own world, um, because the matrix in one sense, the, the machinery of it is generating an, a narrative in which people live. And a narrative has, it not, I wouldn't necessarily uh, say it's a false or true binary, but a narrative is a, is a construct. It, it rejects the concept of a true false dichotomy itself. And I think that's far more interesting than kill them all, you know, Skynet wins, that type of thing. It's time for question four. How long has Cypher, played by Joe Pantoliano, been unplugged from the Matrix? The closest number without going over wins. Price is right rules. Locked Locked in. in. Damn damn it. (laughs) Oh, no, that's not good for Tom. (laughs) Tug's that short. I I was, I, I think I'm pretty sure. Locked in. KJ. Yeah, I am not so sure. I don't know. Eight years. I believe it's Tom. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to say nine years. Doug? 11 years. Ah. No, it's nine years. It is. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sure. And Doug seemed so sure. And I thought, well, I can't beat Doug. Nine <laughs> years. It I don't, was I don't nine know. years. I didn't fact check me years. if you want. But there was I, didn't, I didn't even know what Copper Top meant. <laughs> so, so that was the scene where he was talking with the agents in the Matrix and explaining how he knows it's not a stake mm. and yeah. uh, all of that stuff. And he wants to go back in. Nine years he was outside. Uh, of the system 
So we have a tie, but before we get into the tiebreaker, let's talk a little bit about prophecy because Cypher, as we talked about earlier, was a non-believer. And we have talked a bit about this topic earlier, but if there's any remaining thoughts regarding how prophecy is treated in this film. There's an interesting element to prophecy in this that relates to Neo because Neo does not like the idea of fate, right? We, we learned this, that was your word, right? It was fate. Um, and because he feels that fate is controlling him and, and the matrix is control and the prophecy and these kind of religious ideas are freedom from control. So the way the movie is positing fate is that it isn't necessarily destiny that, that these things are different, um, but that it is that it is the belief in the possibility of, of freedom, right? It's the belief in the possibility of, um, of self-determination. And the idea of a prophet being there to kind of tell you um, this is what's going to happen in the future, it's depicted as guidance, not as, um, not as a necessity. This isn't definitely going to happen, um, but this is how we get on the right path again, I think. I think that's what's going on there. Because there is this problem with, with fate and, and free will that's, that's kind of going on in the, in the background of this movie. And I think this movie doesn't want to see faith or fate as necessarily entirely deterministic. This may be a bit off topic to the Matrix universe, but for some reason, for all us Dune fans out there, this reminded me a lot of the Bene Gesserit. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an order that not only makes whispers and creates prophecy, but they do it over centuries. So they'll pick hints of a prophet to come. And I feel like that's how the Matrix almost handled it. They're creating this environment to give faith and hope that such a being will come and then will be embraced if and when it does come. So it's a bit of a, a stretch, but it, it directly reminded me of that specifically on this watch because I recently have read and watched the newest rendition of Dune. So just thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, the, the difference though I'd say is the Kwisatz Sadarat, which is the figure that they're looking for in Dune, that the Bene Gesserit, they're, they're doing it through breeding. Um, but it, it ends up being through breeding and through contact with the spice, blah, blah, blah. But, but the Kwisatz Satarat, while it's a, a kind of a great leader, it's also a martial leader who brings destruction upon the universe. I mean, I think um, Paul, the main character, the Kwisatz Satarat in Doom kills spoilers, something. Everybody, spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers. sorry. Yeah, spoilers. This, is, this is spoilers for... <laughs> Um, a movie that has not yet been made. Uh, uh, Paul ends oh, a up a book that was written what fifty a book that was written years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, so Paul in the in the follow up kills about a, about seventy billion people once he becomes the the leader and the Kwisatz Satarat and um, and so I the 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 movie and I think the actual the most recent movie does this pretty well is it shows the kind of faded leader as a terrible thing you know Paul is going to become something worse than the uh, the, the villains of the picture in this it's you know it, it's really not about um, the dangers of the messianic figure 
but it celebrates the messianic figure as as what messianic figures always do at least in, in kind of the stories which is they liberate i also really liked morpheus as the prophet and his relationship um with the prophecy right so he's a firm believer and the scene where he goes back and picks up neo from the oracle and neo's like morpheus i'm the Oracle told you exactly what you need to hear. Like he gets it. He understands how the Oracle works and all these, how the faith is supposed to work and the fate. Um, I mean, it's questioned in future movies, even by Morpheus, but um, I, I really enjoyed the way the movie presented faith and fate, not as an absolute, but in the end, it turns out to be right. anyway. like it turns out to be right anyway. It, it's in danger. It's something that's, God, I hate the word true in this movie, but I think it applies. It's something that's true, but that is in danger. It's time for a bonus question. Now for the tiebreaker. KJ, you can play along as well, because this one is worth three points. Ooh. Oh. What if only KJ gets it? <laughs> then we have another time. <laughs> Three-way time. Oh, that sounds okay. so dirty. <laughs> so... When was the Nebuchadnezzar built? Ooh, closest in. without going over. I think locked in. I think I know it. Locked in. I have no idea. Uh, locked in. I have a guess. I had it written in my notes on the side, but I'm not going to look. Oh, I'm going to look. Okay, Doug, <laughs> you're going to start this one up. I'm going to say 2069. Uh, KJ. 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Tom. Um, I'm going to say I, I had locked in uh, 2075. I think it's 2060, though. Doug is going to take down this episode. He Was got it, it exactly. 2069. Oh. Mm -hmm. This is why in one of the earlier questions, I said that they probably didn't name it that. They inherited that. Because when Neo is talking to Morpheus, or really Morpheus is talking to Neo about when the real time is, he explains to Neo that they think it appears to be 1999, but the world is probably closer to 2199. And if the Nebuchadnezzar was built in 2069, they most likely inherited, salvaged, found the ship at some point. So I don't think they are the ones who named it, mm -hmm. period. So it's a lucky coincidence that has any connection or correlation. Yeah, I, I, it's just an interesting name that they would they would pick for this. Um, but there's also a, a few other weird references. I mean, I guess it's not that weird because the Matrix is 1999. But even Tank and Dozer, who were born and raised in uh, Zion, mm -hmm. so they they presumably can't and never have been to the Matrix. They make pop culture references to the 90s and 60s um i should have written them down but um i was surprised that they included some more recent uh pop culture references in the movie keep in mind they stare at the That's matrix true. all day long though especially the mm -hmm. operators i'm not mm -hmm. saying everyone in zion That's but true. specifically yeah, the true. operators. what are the pop culture references yeah, i should have written them down i i, yeah. I forget if it was batman or it was they would they would say catchphrases from other things. Oh, Superman. And there it is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like yes. commercials. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mikey, I think he likes it. 
And imagine <laughs> yeah. you stare at the Matrix all day and that's that's what you got out of it. I mean, like... <laughs> I wonder if the TV is any good, right? <laughs> like like it, on the Matrix, I you know, I bet they like one of the reasons why this is what they should have put in the movie. Um, them watching the Matrix of a television program and like not like like shirking their work or whatnot or not getting on on to a job they have to do because they're really absorbed in a television program they're seeing in the code of the matrix <laughs> that would be the most matrix thing that the movie could possibly do yeah. i don't know why that just made me remember that i thought i was really cool because i had a screensaver that was the matrix letters like coming down oh come on you all probably had it at some point <laughs> yeah, I, just, I had the, the little microphone oh, yeah, or the DOS thing. I I think I downloaded it from the website. <laughs> I might have as well. That was probably the marketing campaign. So one thing I did notice was that when uh when Neo is fighting Morpheus, they're actually watching mm -hmm. them fight on monitors and it's not and they're not actually looking at the code. So although technically that's not the main Exactly. Thing. That yeah, that's a separate program to simulate. But it's still the matrix. Yeah, but it's still you know in in code. So maybe they don't always watch it in code. Can you imagine watching sitcoms in code <laughs> as opposed to visual? I feel like they said that the computers couldn't handle the data from it, so you had to watch it in code. Not not the program, Tom, uh, uh, Doug, that you're talking about, but the actual matrix. I think you could not physically, like the computers could not process a, vi a, a direct live visual feed. Hmm. I remember something like that. Yeah. Because um, it's when the. Because he's like, this is all I see is blonde, yeah. brunette. Like it was that. Yeah, it was. It was during the Cypher. exposition dump montage. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's time for. Movie rent. So watching this, I, and I want to give a, a shout out to a YouTube channel that has more viewers than us, and hopefully this will <laughs> get us some more attention, as uh, the CCK Philosophy Channel, which is a really good, it's about 25-minute video on um, Baudrillard and The Matrix uh, that I watched in prep for this. And I'd, you know, I'd recommend that. Um, and he makes, can I say, he makes the argument that kind of like, that Baudrillard made. So Baudrillard, the, the philosopher, was actually invited to partake in the Matrix. And there's two references to him in, in the movie. Um, when Neo has the book, remember at the very beginning is a book and he that's where he hides the discs for his illegal disc activity thing. Um, he's hiding it. I don't know what that was, by the way. Hmm? Oh, what his, his business? What yeah, whatever it was. But the discs were in a copy of um, Simulacrum and Simulation. And then also um, Morpheus's thing, uh, the desert of the real, welcome to the desert of the real. There's also a, a Baudrillard quote. Um, but Baudrillard uh, like famously hated this movie and when he was invited to work on the, the latter two sequels, he you know, turned them down. Um, and it, he, his reason for this, and I think it's actually a little confusing, but I like this channel because it kind of unpacked it in a very sensible way was that uh, what the Matrix, the film is offering us is like an option between reality and kind of this kind of postmodern situation, right? Where you're sort of everything is a simulation and nothing is real and everything is kind of about control. Um, and 
what kind of Baudrillard's critique of the movie was is that like the modern world in which we live in, the real just isn't there anymore, right? That all that there is, is kind of control and narrative, right? And there's like no space outside of, of narrative anymore. Um, though Baudrillard suggests one way out might be through faith. Mm. Um, and so his kind of, his problem with the movie is that it's kind of binary, right? It's there's reality or there's not reality. There isn't this um, suspension of the option of reality or the inability to see one from the other. However, I think that what we're talking about here with the Oracle and faith and that type of thing, just during this episode, listening to you guys um, makes me think that, you know, maybe, maybe Baudrillard was a little kind of, um, maybe he didn't take that into consideration. Right, that that faith, that belief in something, even if it isn't something necessarily tangible in the way that quote unquote real world is tangible, is still a means out of control, both in the the real world, this world in which we are in, as well as as in the matrix. See that channel and then connect us to that channel somehow, audience, and so we could get more views. <laughs> I have something that I just wanted to bring up that I noticed for the first time. Mm -hmm on this watch that I never noticed before. The beginning of this movie where we're introduced to Trinity and the end of this movie where Neo has his final showdown with Agent Smith yep. is the same setting. It is, is the this heart is why of Smith the city was waiting hotel. For him in, the yeah. in the room. I, I never noticed, noticed that before. Hmm. Like he looked at the sign and he noticed that it was the same place that they found Trinity. So... He beat him to the room, room 303, by the way. Exactly. Yes, it is room 303. But I just, I don't know why I didn't make that connection ever before when I, when I watched That's it. That's where they first, where he first meets Trinity. Where is that? No, that's when we first, we first meet Trinity in the opening sequence oh. when she's talking on the phone mm -hmm. and that where the final phone is to get out of the matrix. He says he found an old phone or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Which I, how could it be an old phone if they just used it recently? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I, I, an old, old exit. Old exit. Well, yeah. actually, I think it was, it was months had passed oh, since they actually okay. plugged mm -hmm. Neo out. That's true. The time. He grew, he grew. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That is true. And she didn't use that phone, right? That was the phone booth she used outside to get out. Well, they cut they cut the hard line. They cut the hard line in the building, oh. so so she couldn't actually get Got out. It. And she had to get out. So somebody, I guess they, your men are right. already dead. dead. <laughs> that that scene. So I, I I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, boundaries between the mundane world and the fantastic mm -hmm. world. Right, it's my favorite thing to do on the show. What I liked about the Matrix is we're way more familiar with the fantastic mm -hmm. world than the mundane mm -hmm. world. So it's kind of yeah. cool to see the the reverse. Um, and then what I love about that is is the boundaries. So I really enjoyed that the boundary was the phones and the computers and and how you could kind of peek through one way or the other using a terminal, right? I, I really enjoyed the representation of that that boundary in this in this film. Yeah, that was really spot on. Yeah. Even now it held up. Even when I was talking about technology and questioning how a, a viewer, I'm not discounting that it felt old or dated. It's still like that movie feels like it could have been released recently. Yeah, the, the the boundary thing is is interesting. The place where the the fantastical or you know or the hyper real um, contacts 
contacts the real where they're they're joining because that's also the the place of um both salvation and greatest danger right that's where they're you know constantly almost being killed or being killed or or what have you um you know the 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 escape is thwarted because trinity just had to tell him something right then and there and couldn't wait 40 seconds <laughs> uh yeah so it it, it is it, it's interesting to see the boundary um between the hyper real and the real or, or the fantasy as dangerous where that like the you know where the map touches the terrain right to use the the baudrillardian or the 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 uh the borges metaphor um you know that that place kind of it's interesting when the map touches the terrain it like crumbles right it's a little dangerous here there's a lot more friction here i wonder whether that is why do you think that is they needed a plot yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> plot mechanics yeah deep mm -hmm. give me an exit yeah so you want to you want to have some gripes with the movie some some things i it's <laughs> not a bad idea I yeah yeah, I'm sorry. Neo has no personal characteristics whatsoever, except he ate at a noodle shop. We know we know he likes noodles and is sometimes late for work. Um, but he's a shut-in, right? Like that's the whole thing. Yeah, he's living a dual life. He does this he, whatever he needs to do <laughs> during the day to survive, and then he does all the computer. I mean, he's not he's not very interesting <laughs> yeah 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 exactly but i don't i don't think that i don't think he was supposed to be of that world yeah that's why he was kind of yeah yeah well one of my favorite scenes is when he goes back to his desk after getting chewed out by his boss he's just sitting there and the screen is blank he's <laughs> <laughs> just he's not doing anything like the man has no there's no characteristic uh you know there's no personality there there's not really any with trinity either other than she like can break into the irs which that's good in my book, but you know, um, there, there isn't a lot of character development in any of these characters with the exception maybe of Morpheus, which I think is why I like the Oracle scene so much because there was actually humor in that scene. It was kind of, you know, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of funny, uh, like when she says, um, I know uh, I, you're cute. I could see why she likes you. Who? Not too bright though. Yeah, yeah that was, <laughs> it was a nice was little great. joke. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was warm. And I'll say another thing about some of the action sequences, namely the um, the the smart gun into the room where Morpheus is to free Morpheus towards the end of the film. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea what <laughs> what how he was firing that gun. It's like you, he's he clearly can't seem to see where he's firing at all. Like the the action sequence is in, is like impossible to make out. Um, I say so. Some of the action sequences moved into um, into kind of shock and awe over sensibility, uh, and so that was one of them. Where I'm like, he he has no idea where Morpheus is based upon the POV of the the, the POV that the camera is giving us. So that was like another little gripe I had with the with the picture. Yeah, Morpheus shouldn't have survived that, right? Neo should have. <laughs> been the cause Neo of death could, yeah, yeah exactly. neo could not see where he was firing i'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week which is doug and he had a strong showing today so you definitely earned that one mm -hmm. very good <laughs> i know kung fu <laughs> you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our youtube channel twitter at talking studios and our website talkingpicturestrivia.com we're extremely grateful to all of those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Do you believe we're in a simulation? Why or why not? Let us know on Twitter, 
talkingpicturestrivia at gmail.com or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Doug, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15 and stay tuned uh, for our Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side, our sister podcast. Look into it. And you can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time when we discuss Tom's recommendation from 1973, World on a Wire. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding. So the movie is World on a Wire from 1973. And let me correct that. It technically was a German miniseries. What were your initial first impressions? So we decided to do The Matrix 4, which audience get hype. It's coming up. We're going to do it here in a few weeks. Um, and, and leading up to that, we decided to do Matrix adjacent movies. So I had a really fun time going through a bunch of movies, looking for a fun Matrix adjacent movie. I tried Ghost in a Shell, Dark Cities, uh, Paprika. That was actually really good. Um, Open Your Eyes. There was a remake with Tom Cruise, Vanilla Sky. Um, and then Ryan has adjusted the 13th floor. So I checked that out. But after seeing the first 10 minutes of World on a Wire, I knew this was going to be the movie. I, I watched it on my phone um, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it, all three hours uh, and a half. And yeah, it was a, it's a movie I can imagine watching again and again and again because it takes forever to watch. I already feel like I've been watching it most of my life and um, I really enjoyed it. This is only my second Fassbinder film. I saw Ali Fear Eats the Soul a number of years ago, and I, I'm somewhat illiterate when it comes to German New Wave. So the the I've seen you know Paris, Texas. Um, I've seen a few of um, oh of what's his name of um, uh, Werner Herzog films. Um, but generally, I just don't know German New Wave very well, and I especially don't know Fassbinder very well. Uh, so this, at least despite possibly not enjoying this film very much, at, at least it was a nice cultural institution to German New Wave. I watched the Criterion collection of it, which includes a, a short documentary on its making, which isn't particularly informative and also a brief interview with Ryan Johnson, which is even less informative, but the restored version does look nice. It has a few little, uh, little add-ons that make the criterion edition worth it. Uh, would I say this is worth the three and a half hours? Well, I think it's, I'll say this. I think it is more matrixy than the matrix. I think it does what the matrix was trying to do a lot better. Whoa. You guys are all going to go on and on about sentience and consciousness, red pill, blue pill, blah, 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 blah. But I am going to make the strong case that this was 40 years in the making advertisement for millennials to buy furniture. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I didn't look at it from that angle, but I see the validity there. I really don't have any qualms with the movie on a whole, aside from that, it really dragged at the ending. 
But I will say, and, and I'm going to throw this at KJ, while it may have been a perfect compliment to the matrix, it's not a perfect compliment to my weekly schedule. So uh, yeah, this was a true nail biter to finish on time, especially due to the German subtitles. But you know, I, I am glad I watched it and I'm glad I got through it. Now, what I will say too, I think the thing I enjoy the most is the name Fastbinder. It's just a really cool name. So I'm, I'm glad I watched one of his movies. <laughs> At the end of round one, we have a tie between Tom and Doug at one point of peach and KJ. So nice of you to join us today. I'm sure there's going to be more points being delivered in round two, right after these messages from our valued sponsor. One point of peach. Delicious. <laughs> Did I say peach? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to replay that because I don't want it to say that. How far back do I have to go? At least to the peach. Uh, I, should, I, should, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> my my guess is you, like were, you, were, you were thinking a piece or each, and it just combined yeah. to a peach. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. 